Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hi, you listen, Alan Myers, Edmonton Podcast. Hey, Alan, what you got on tonight, mate? Thanks very much, Gazza. Well, I'll tell you what we've got coming up. It's another packed podcast for you. I uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll be hearing from the... I say new, he's not that new now, but uh, certainly recently new, Lewis Boamorte, uh, Everton assistant manager, um, talking about his reasons for coming to the club and also his relationship with uh, Marco Silva. So we've got that coming up a little bit later on. Also, Marcel Brands, he'll be talking to us about the summer he had, uh, getting all those transfers in, and in particular the signings of uh, Iwobi and Gomez. Uh, so have a listen to that, see what you think of, of Marcel Brands explaining how he his processes work and uh, quite an interesting uh, man isn't he uh, Marcel Brands and I think certainly gone down well with a lot of Evertonians and uh, we'll be hearing from the Everton director of football uh, after we've heard from Lewis Morte. and also after that uh, I, I caught up with um, former player Anders Limpar uh, over in Sweden and he's talking about his time at the club and I didn't know but he's uh, an Evertonian from the age of 10 and even though I work with him at the club I never knew that. So, uh, so a very interesting man, uh, certainly someone who speaks his mind, and uh, and he talks about Joe Royal, his relationship with the with his former manager, and also takes the quiz as well about uh, the, the likes of um, what his uh, hardest opponent was in football and all these sort of things. So, look forward to that a little bit later on. But first, uh, on today's podcast, we'll be talking uh, about current things and what's happening. And we all thought, didn't we, that. Well, we were going to be top of the league when we recorded this. But in the studio today, um, we've got Phil Kirkbride, the Everton correspondent with me, and also Chris Beasley, uh, another Echo writer. And um, we'll start, I suppose, Phil, last night, and uh, we're recording this on the Saturday after the, the Villa game. And where did it go wrong, do you think? Where did it go right? Um, <laughs> we were in control, I, I felt, for 20 minutes. Um and then we switched off, quick free kick, we were turned, defensive line wasn't set, and we've given away a very, very cheap goal. And then from then on, it was, it was a hark back to those moments last season when we didn't react and, and too many players went in on themselves for too long. Too many big players went missing, I think it's fair to say. Um, and it took too long for us to regain any form of control and composure in the game, by which point... We've got Iwobi and Moise Keane on, we've gone 4-4-2, but the clock to my left, as it was last night, is ticking down and it's going down quickly and we're not getting any closer. Um, and look, yes, we can point to the two horrible misses. First one from Calvert-Lewin, he's got to score. He puts it anywhere else but where he did and Engels isn't getting it or Heaton's not going to get it. And the other one, Walcott, of course, he he had time, could have brought it down Um and should score, but I think perhaps more 
more of an issue for Marco is why did we get ourselves into that situation in the first place? And secondly, why did too many players disappear at the crucial point? Do you know, Chris, Phil makes a good point there. He mentioned it briefly. Um, when you look back at last season and think back to last season when we went through that bad period, yeah. one of the features was, as, as uh, Phil sort of alluded to, um, was that when we were poor in that in that period, we, we did go missing when players when we went one goal down. Yeah. Um, the, the the difference later on in the season yeah. was actually complete the opposite. You know, when when even even when we had a problem near the end of the season, we would come back and fight hard. What 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 is that? Do you think it's a mentality thing? Do you think there's a th- yeah. there's a lack of leadership on in the team? Or what, what yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I was reading Phil's verdict, and Phil actually pointed out that I think it was. Over eighteen months ago now, under, under Sam Allardyce, was it Swansea City last time they yeah. they came from but one nil down to come back and win a Premier League game. Wow! And that's pretty damning, really. You know, twenty months, whatever that's been since then. So it, I think it, it must be. Um, it was a big thing in the summer. They were looking for those characters, more leadership in the dressing room, and I imagine that would play a big part in the acquisition of Fabian Delph. We've all seen that Manchester City clip from the documentary there, where he's shown being very vocal in the dressing room and he's not um, frightened to say say his piece, but of course Fabian Delph's one of these increasing number of players who is currently on the the injury um, list and uh, has not had a chance to show what he can do, either on or off the pitch, I suppose he'll be there um, amongst um, his new teammates in the dressing room, but yeah, so it's got to be that that sort of mentality issue for me, given that it's it's been so long. We see when they get ahead, those great wins they had in the spring towards the end of last season, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, all well beaten at, at Goodison. So it's great once they get the the tails up and get ahead. But it's, yeah, it is a concern that if, if the opposition do score first, and I think that was a prevailing theme in Phil's verdict that you know it's the same old story really. And, and Phil, as far as Marco Silva is concerned, how does he deal with that? Because it's not like, you know, there's a certain problem with a position and, and you know, he can fix it in that way or put somebody else in. Mm. You know, it's 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 something for the team to work out, I'd suggest, you know, on the pitch and when they're playing. And maybe even privately behind closed doors, perhaps, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting one defeat requires, you know, a crisis yeah. meeting with the yeah. players, but... Certainly, if you're Seamus Coleman as, as as captain and somebody who I think we would we would generally class as, as somebody who has leadership qualities, you will have looked at that last season. Uh, sorry, last night. Sorry, at Villa Park and, and gone. Well, this can't continue. You know, too many, too many big players, too many big name players, too many important players. Certainly, down the spine of the team, either lost their cool, lost their composure, or just just went missing. Um, so, in terms of Trying to find a solution, you're right. I don't. I don't necessarily know if it is something the manager can magically um, fix. As you say, there's there's no kind of oh well, bring X, Y, and Z in. But then, as as Chris alludes to, the only thing that I could come to a conclusion last night was, as he said, it, it may it makes more and more sense as to why Delph was recruited because you 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 were following that story Al, at the time. I remember like like we were. Um, the, the the phrases that kept coming out of, of of the club at the time was I think leadership and experience and that's what Everton perhaps didn't have yeah. at that point last night to steady the ship let's get our foot back on the ball let's be tight let's stop this swell of emotion in the ground from the home fans let's make that a one off let's get back in control of the game where we were and then 
let's give ourselves a, a base and let's give ourselves more time to go and get an equaliser and then hopefully a winner. But it, it was it was all just too late last night. I, I, I mean, you know, I know you said you know it's it's early in the season and you're quite right, um, and we're not going to see the team going out for a Chinese or an Italian, you know, to sort it out, you know, as they used to do. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really important to get it sorted out now because we can't have a, a period up to, say, September, October, where that's allowed to just continue. Mm. You know, if you're going to have a good season in the Premier League, it's been proven time and time again that you've got to get your start right. And, and, and you know, it's really important, I think, that they get it sorted out now. And I don't know how you do that if you're Marco Silva... What does he do, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Um, at this stage of the season, like you say, it's so, it's so important to, to, to get off to um, a good start. And that was the thing when Evertonian saw the, the fixture list. There seemed to be a lot of winnable fixtures there um, on paper, I must say, because given the similar results last season, I don't think they'd actually won any of those games. OK, Villa were newly promoted, but it was seen as a favourable set of fixtures. And I think that's part of the disappointment why... Um, Evertonians are hurting so much after last night's results that it was seen that it's an opportunity to close in on the top six this season. Manchester United and Chelsea both in a state of flux and Everton could be seen to make that challenge, but it's got to be done off a springboard of the good start. So what all Silver can keep doing is, is working hard with those players on the training ground. I think that the, the players he has brought in those this summer and last summer with Marcel Brands, it's seen as good recruitment. I mean... Um, Evertonian's taking a bit of stick for these suggestions at winning the transfer window, phrases like that. But it's seen as good recruitment, both of the, of the last summers and bringing in the right types of players. So it's just a, 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 um, a case of getting the best out of those players. I'm sure there will be changes as he's, he looks to ease in personnel. Like we've mentioned, Fabian Delph hasn't featured yet through injury. Unfortunately, um, Jean-Philippe Gabon has picked up this injury now, so we might not be seeing him for quite a while. But the likes of Moise Keane, Alex Awobi, they're now being um, gradually eased into the side and you'd imagine they'll be pushing for starting places in, in these games ahead and we'll be seeing more of those players who have come in. I mean, also we've mentioned Seamus Coleman there, leader in the squad, but his place is also under threat there. Um, Gibriel Sadibi, uh, World Cup um, winner. I mean, he won't have come from Monaco to expect to sit on the bench. So these kind of players are gradually going to be integrated into the squad and you've got to hope that the results come um, as these players um, start to settle in at Everton. Yeah, I mean, it, Phil, one, you know, you know, you know, I like a little bit of uh, social media. Um, <laughs> and one thing I sat last night, I, I was out reporting, seen a lot of the game, to be honest, but I was out reporting on, on Berry actually. And, and when I got home, I, I always like to try and when I've worked to sort of calm down and, and, yeah. and relax and before you can sleep. And um, the best way to do that, of course, is to read the fume of Everton fans. But um, what, I, what, what I did, what did stick out to me last night, which I was quite disappointed in, I'll be honest with you, was the amount of stick that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was getting, uh, you know, on social media. Yeah. And and look, we've already talked about the miss, and, and we know that. And and is the lad, you know, has he got to score more goals? Of course he has. You know, we know that we're not there. But I, I just, I don't know what you think, but I just think it's a little bit over the top when we immediately see him being completely castigated, you know, by the fans. And, 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 you know, it's only a certain section, but, you know, yes, OK, you can do better. Is that a fair, fair comment? Yeah, look, Friday night's defeat was not because of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Look, yes, he misses a, a chance. He really has to be scoring. Um, but, you know, in terms of 
You know, I mentioned earlier, players going missing in that period after the first goal. Well, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin went missing, then so did nine others, maybe, you know, pretty much mm. the rest of the team did. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think Dominic is obviously... And look, Dominic actually this week has said, look, he's got the number nine jersey now. He knows, and I'm paraphrasing, he knows he's there to be shot at. He is carrying the weight and yeah, the burden. Of that number. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he seems fairly at peace with the fact that he is under the spotlight. So for the, for the player himself... Criticism will be, it will be the norm. Look, he will, he's he's not impervious to it. He will be, he will feel it, but he's not, um, you know, he's not, uh, it's it's common for him in the sense that he knows he's in a position uh, of scrutiny. Singling him out, I don't think he's right. I think there were bigger players, more experienced players. I think that's possibly the worst game Andre Gomez has played for the club. Um but again, he wasn't solely down. It wasn't just down to him that we lost. Um, there was a lot of players, absolutely not, not at their best. Absolutely, yeah. you could, you know, Sigurdsson was taken off for a reason. Mm. He wasn't performing. Richarlison taken off for a reason. Um, yes, look, Calvert Lewin, as we say, should score. Mm. Theo should score. You almost want Luca Dean with his immense quality to do better at the end. Yeah, I know it's on his right foot. Yeah, it's it was. Nobody should be singled out, of course. And going back to to the top of the of the point, Dominic is in that position, metaphorically and physically, that makes him more of a target, if you like, if that's yeah. the best word. Yeah. Moise Keane's at the football club. The clamour for him to start is at an all-time high. Understandable, but you've got to trust the manager. He sees him every week at Finch every day at Finch Farm. He'll know if he's ready to start a Premier League football match. Uh and Calvert Lewin's just got to get on with it and you know, last night was was a great opportunity for him. He didn't take it, but he's an honest young lad. He knows his weaknesses. He knows his current limitations, and I don't think we can knock him for 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 what he does because he gives ev- he gives everything. And look, whether he will continue to lead the line in the coming weeks, let's 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 see. Um, but no, he was he was not the reason we lost. Uh, Chris, is it, there was a, a marked difference, I thought, when. Iwobi came on when um, Moise King came on. Can you see them starting against Wolves? Can you see that being the case? Is it too early for... I mean, you know, he's quite yeah. cautious, Marco, isn't yeah. he, with new players? Yeah. I I certainly think long-term, definitely, definitely with King, you're not going to get a player out of Juventus, of his talents. And I know a lot of people in Italy were quite bemused by the fact that they'd let him go. So you're not going to bring a player like that to the club and expect him to carry on on the bench. But what I would suspect is it it would be maybe after the international break. So maybe we'll see. I mean, we'll have to see how Lincoln City goes midweek. I mean, does he mix it up then and we'll see who um, does well against Lincoln and whether he wants to shuffle the pack against Wolves on the Sunday, who will have also had a tough European second leg themselves against Torino. I know they got a great result out there in Turin last week, but they'll have had a tough game. So we'll see what happens at Lincoln. But I, I think that going forward, certainly Keane would expect to be the, the number one choice up front in, in the months ahead. And um, Awobi could play his way in on the wings. But I expect, like you say, that um, Marco can be quite cautious with this. And I would imagine perhaps more after the international break once we get to mid-September with that one. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Lincoln game uh, because I'm sure there will be a time when you, if people listen to this podcast, we'll have known the result uh, by the very nature of podcasts. Mm. Um, so I, I don't want to talk about that game specifically, mm-hmm. but 
last few years, and you know what I'm going to say, yeah. you know, it's it's been shocking, you know, and nothing annoys me, whether I was at Blackburn as a director, I used to get so annoyed with the manager because he he never played the right team. Yeah. Um, I remember against uh, Southampton, was it, last season when we went out and yeah. and... You know, and, and you can go back, it's not just Marco Silva, you know, you can go back to Roberto, you can go back as far as, as you like. I, I can't understand why managers start with a weakened side. I, I, I had, um, necessarily a frank discussion, but a, a, a pretty straight and, and blunt discussion with Marco about this last season, mm. where I, I put to him, why did you feel a weakened team? And he said, I didn't feel a weakened team. <laughs> this answer, is, this is a squad game. Every one of the players that played is in contention to play in the Premier League. So it's I don't accept that it was a weakened team. Uh, it was a changed team, but not a weakened team. So as you say, Al, I think I think that's what managers think and that's how that what's their mindset about changes because they go, No, we've got squads that, that have, have have got quality from one to twenty three or four, twenty four, twenty five players, how many we've got at the minute. Um but but ultimately, for, for for us, for supporters, it shouldn't matter that we're playing Lincoln or if we're playing City in this, you know, in 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 whatever round of the cup, you play your strongest team. Yeah. And the importance of the cups has never gone away for us. It's never gone away for the listeners to this podcast. It's never gone away for the people stood on the terraces. But for managers, it's been a it's been an evolving thing and. You know, I think Marco's selections last season pointed to him, certainly in the League Cup, it's not a priority. He obviously felt that we were strong enough to go through against Southampton. We didn't. But interestingly, at the um, at the last general meeting, um, Farhad said, and again, I'm going to paraphrase, that his, his, his own expectations on the Cups has now changed. It shifted from, I don't really care about the FA Cup, we want top four, to... Crikey, top four is actually really tough, isn't it? Let's go for the Cups as well as, as trying to progress up the league table. So I believe and I hope that that has, has, has been fed down to Marco. Um, and let's see what that selection is. And, and hopefully it's, um, you know, going forward, it's it, it, he plays strong teams. And unfortunately, going, on, going into a Lincoln League Cup tie on the back of a performance and a result like Friday only increases the expectation or only increases the belief that he has to play his strongest team. That, but. And, you know, I, I get what Phil said, you know, about managers, because it wasn't just, it's not just Marco Silva. I've had it from a number of managers yeah. who say that very excuse, you know, we, um, you know, it's a squad team, you know, we've got to use the squad. I get the goalkeeper bit. I do get that because that goalkeeper would probably sit on the bench all season if he didn't, um, unless there was an injury. But, the evidence shows that they don't do it when there's a league game. Yeah. You know, they, they just don't do it. And, and, and they would always play their strongest. And if in the later stages of these competitions, they play a Manchester City or an Arsenal, they start playing, the, the, you know, the strong squad. So I think the evidence says that that's not correct. And I just think a cup run for Everton or a cup win more than a cup run, because we've had some cup runs. But a cup win for Everton would be so crucial and so um, is catalytic. I don't, yeah, I don't know what... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but no, no. You've, you've got to remember the League Cup and the FA Cup offer routes into Europe. Yeah. 
we want to be back in Europe. And yes, we want to do it, in inverted commas, the proper way after 38 games of slog. And, yeah. and, and, and of yeah. course, ultimately, we have to see progression over the course of a season. That's the real litmus test of, of, of a team's growth, isn't it? Of yeah, course, of course. It is. yeah, yeah. And that's long-term what Marco's been tasked with and et cetera. Absolutely. But how much pressure is alleviated from a squad by end of February? If we've gone to Wembley and won the League Cup, you're into the Europa League, right, we've got three months of the season left, we can still finish top six, whatever, top maybe, you know, maybe fifth, four, who knows what's still possible at the table. But it just takes the pressure off having to, you know, oh, we're out the Cups again by January. It's all on the next, the last That's 10 right. league games. Pressure. If Goals. we slip up, we're, we're done for. I just think, yeah, I, I don't understand, like you, Al, I don't understand why there is this need to play weakened teams. I, I understand the need for squad. You need to keep your players sharp because if there's injuries, you want to, you want them to be able to be up and running if, when, and needed. But Cups are just so important. For me, it more important than they've ever been. Um, next year, 2020, will be the first time in Everton's 141-year history they've gone 25 years without winning a cup. So for me, that's the, the biggest thing. That's more than getting into Europe. For me, a whole generation of Evertonians have, have grown up now, not seeing them. Not and seeing them win. That's what being a football supporter is all about, is, is those special memories, those special days out. For a club of Everton's stature, it's it's winning a, a trophy, and it's not it's not um, an unrealistic expectation. We're not demanding Everton win the Champions League, but there have been what, fifty domestic cup winners since Everton last won the FA wow. Cup in in ninety five. Won't You're you? Pulling you a few out here, yeah. Chris. I have to say, you think in the FA Cup <laughs> and the League Cup yeah. since Dave Watson lifted that trophy yeah. in ninety five. So. Yeah. Next year, what will we be? 50, 50 cup competitions since Everton did that. So it's a huge thing. There, there are there are Everton. I mean, I'm forty next week, but people, there are people now in in the thirties who got lads themselves. It'll be a bit of just a few years younger than me who won't be able to remember ninety five. They'll have lads and girls themselves bring, taking them to the game. And these these Everton Dars, as we keep hearing about, um, some of those won't, won't even be. Well, some of those will, won't even even remember yeah, Everton absolutely. winning an FA yeah. Cup. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. It's it's a whole generation, and Everton and Liverpool have sort of fed off the success of each other. There's nothing being a motivational factor like having your your neighbour's success rammed down your throat. Yeah. So, you know, all those youngsters who have. They've seen what Liverpool have done in, in recent months. And we're not being unrealistic saying, you know, Everton have to match that, but just having those days out. And to be fair to Marco in the FA Cup, he did take it seriously. He named the full-strength team at Millwall. just weren't good yeah, enough. They got yeah. turned over at the day, on it the day. It was about but he, timing, that, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Southampton, yeah, he did He did ring the changes and, and were made to, to pay for it. I mean, yeah, it's ultimately, with the league out of reach, there were just two trophies each year at the moment without not being in Europe two things to go for so they're not going to be in you know a relegation battle ho- hopefully that that's a long way off so you're not in relegation danger go for the cups go go all out for it definitely for, for me like I said that's as big a motivating factor as anything as ending that run now it's not Marco Silva's fault they've gone so long without yeah. winning the cup yeah. but yeah it's as it's as as, as important as it's ever been well I, I um, it's, so the reason I thought of it this week is because I've done an interview with Anders Limpar mm-hmm. uh, who was in the last yeah. cup winning yeah. side and and since they've won that cup he's he's he was at near the end of his career he's played for another three teams <laughs> he's coached one he's managed one he's 
opened a bar in Sweden. <laughs> he's sold a bar in Sweden. He's, uh, you know, he's opened another company. He's running a betting company now. And he's done all that in the time that yeah. we, we haven't won a trophy. And, and it's, you know, we, we jest about it, but it really does, you know, that feeling at the end of a cup game when we've gone out <laughs> and your head drops. I mean, I was reporting on it, on it for Sky against Southampton last year. So, you know, I have to stay impartial in yeah. that respect. But at the end of the game, my head dropped and I thought, here we go again. You know, and it took me right back to a time when we played Aston Villa at Goodison. Um, and we got to, I think it was the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, and it was the first year that they played the semi-finals at Wembley. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is it, this is our chance of going to Wembley, even though it was a semi-final, you know, it was our chance of getting to Wembley. And uh, we lost, I think Carbone scored, and, and we lost... We lost 2-1 or something, you know, and it was just, you know, I've had that feeling since then and, and, and probably beyond that, you know, and uh, I just think it's it's time now that we've got to get serious about winning a trophy. And I think in those, do you say 50 teams, Chris? Well, it will be one if it's 25 years or so two domestic cup so, competitions per year. You know, in that role of honour isn't exclusively made up of the elite. No. Swansea, hundred percent. You know, yeah. so, Birmingham are on there, yeah. aren't they? Portsmouth, Portsmouth, yeah. being Middlesbrough, there. yeah. yeah. So that that that's yeah. that's the most galling thing I think for yeah. me is that they've gone and done it. Yeah. So you know why not us? Yeah. Why we know it's we know it's tough, and if you I think if you do look in the recent years, those second elevens of your Manchester Cities and even Chelsea's at times teams like that are so strong that it does it does make it it makes it tough. But yeah, over you know that quarter of a century since there's been a lot of clubs with a lot lesser resources than Everton yeah. who have gone the distance at least once. Um, I don't think it's re- unrealistic for a club of Everton's size, certainly now with Farhar's resources and the ambition he's showing. One trophy for dec- per decade for a cl- club like Everton. Um, so to have gone two and a half now without anything at all, I mean, it, it, it's tough and it, it, it's got to end soon, you, you would hope, for, for all those long-suffering supporters. Of course. Uh, sorry, Alan. The problem is as well, it probably is worth saying on, on, the, on the flip side, if you like, um, as much as there's been a shift in terms of Farhad's thinking and maybe what he's now telling Marco about the importance of the Cups, there's definitely been a shift from that, that period we went through in English football fairly recently where the big clubs were fielding teams of kids and still get City and Pep, yeah. he, he starts every season, right, we're winning the League Cup. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. that does complicate right. matters now. I think it was Arsene Wenger that started it, really, yeah. wasn't it, with Arsenal? I remember some of the teams. I remember Fabregas coming on as a yeah. against us as a, as a kid, you know, and we all wonder who this guy Fabregas was, you know, and 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 he did well. He won, <laughs> you know. He used to get to finals with yeah. the kids playing. In fairness to him, yeah. But um, but you're right. There's definitely been a shift of the bigger teams thinking, you know, hang on a minute, the, the trophies in the cabinets look good, yes. you know, and and, <laughs> and and if you look at City and you look at other teams, you know, in that top six. It, they regularly do win trophies, and and that I think that um, sort of uh, says a lot about your football club. I just want to end this section on 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 the start of the season. You know, obviously we've talked a lot about pre-season in previous podcasts, but the start of the season, we saw the Crystal Palace game, we saw the the win against Watford, which although you know we played some good football, it wasn't a commanding win. I don't think. Um, what, what are your sort of Views on on the start, if you like. Certainly, after the Watford victory, I was I was relatively satisfied. I think I think we still have to be mindful of the fact that certain players haven't had full pre seasons. Certain, it's clear that certain players. I'm thinking Richarlison, 
in particular aren't fully where they were last season. So I think we have to be mindful of that. But I was I was I was comfortable with the fact that the foundation seemed to be there. We were solid. It seemed yes, as you say, against Watford, we weren't always in command and we had to soak up a decent amount of pressure. But I thought, well, you build from the bottom, don't you, in that respect? And if we're solid, we're carrying that on from to the end of last season. You know, we've lost Idrissa, but we still seem to be able to to get through these games and not concede too many chances. I w- and I looked at the fixture list, first 14 games, only three against teams who finished above yeah. us last season. And I thought, by the time we come out of that run of, of winnable fixtures, and look, we still might, of course, one win doesn't, uh, one defeat doesn't, no. doesn't um, shift everything. The new players will be up to speed by that, by that point. Um, the team will be starting to fully click more into gear. And I was thinking, if we do 14 games and we get positive results, we don't play brilliantly, but you can see we're building and the players are getting fit. I, I I'll still be still be happy, but of course it's it's about results, isn't it? Unfortunately, and and but Chris, this this season mm. we said you know the Gomez's, the Richarlison's, the Bernards, you know this is their second season. Yeah. They'll be much more settled. You yeah. know they'll 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 just yeah. they'll they'll be so much better. You know and I, you know I, I just feel there's a little yeah. bit of a malaise amongst the team. You know and and they're not quite. Kicked down again, you know. I mean, I don't know whether they were there was an anger last season when they'd had that bad period, and that almost galvanised them into playing the way they did near the end. And they they need to get that back, possibly. Yeah, I hope, I hope it's not a malaise. But you're right that none of those three players. I mean, um, we had the goal last week from Bernard against Watford, but certainly Gomez and um, Richarlison have not been at those stellar. Levels expected um, from them. I hope it's not second season syndrome. I suppose Richarlison's already had two years because he had the year at Watford. But mm. yeah, he's come back from Copper America. There, obviously, the successor. He had a real up and down tournament in that he he, he started, then lost his place, got ill with the mumps, and then had this heroic return to score in, in the final. So you'd hope he'd be buzzing off that and um, looking forward to the season to build on his, his heroics with. Brazil, but for whatever reason, yeah, he's not doing it. We've mentioned already Andre Gomez. Um, there's a lot of love for him, but, you know, a, a real stinker by all accounts last night at, at Villa. So, yeah, we whereas we have the uh, the patience with those new signings to, be, to bed them in, we are expecting more from the from these um, big-name players who have done so well last season. And I hope it's not a malaise. I just I hope it's that they're, they're, they're feeling their, their way back in because we need those sort of players to, to, to hit the ground running and build on this, what, as Phil has alluded to, is a reasonable start in regards to fixtures and get those, those points in the board early because we saw that season that Everton finished fourth. If you can get those points on the board early, that can be the springboard for the whole campaign, set the tone, build the confidence in the squad and you want to get those results in early. I mean, last night's result, I mean, it was very disappointing, but it's not entirely unprecedented. You throw one in like that the first couple of weeks of the season. Hopefully, they've got that out of the system now and they can uh, they can sort of um, kick on in the weeks ahead. Well, we, I felt we were a little bit flat uh, through there for a moment, but now Phil's, uh, Chris has just, uh, just filled me with a lot of inspiration there. And, <laughs> bring, and, on, uh, bring on Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thanks, lads. I mean, uh, one thing, if you listen to Anders Limpar a little bit later, and he'll be, he'll be up soon in the podcast I mean the guy's just got so much enthusiasm yeah. and, and so much uh, you know hope and, and he he believes a lot in Marco Silva and believes he's going to go on and be a great manager so let's uh, let's end it on that mm-hmm. one but Phil and Chris thanks very much for joining us Thank today you. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo
But now let's hear from the assistant manager, Lewis Boamorte, who uh, came over, of course. I remember Lewis Boamorte when he was a player, everyone does in the Premier League. Had a few scuffles with Everton in his time, I think. Um, but uh, I went to Finch Farm just recently and had a chat with uh, the former Portuguese international. And what a great guy. He really is a nice guy. And uh, this is him talking about the reasons, I guess, as to why he came to Everton and his uh, relationship with the manager, Marco Silva. The, the manager invited me to, to, come, to come over and work because uh, one of the, the staff members had gone. Uh, then he invited me, then, uh, yes, as um, uh, I'd say that all the, all the years I spent in, um, in, in England and in the Premiership and all that, so that, I'll see, uh, that was an invitation that couldn't turn it down. And um, yeah, and uh, I accept. So just we just have a chat um, because in this this is always um, a way to see how people work and uh, because everyone works different way and and all that. So then yeah, because I was in a, in a different in a different country, a different league, completely different than in English league. Then uh, yeah. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, and you know Marco quite well, don't you? T- tell us a little bit about your history together. Yeah, we we played together when we when we were fifteen, sixteen. Then uh, yeah, <laughs> we moved opposite ways and we played against each other. Uh, but uh, we always <coughs> we always had um, uh, a good relationship. But at the end of the day, uh, it's not. Uh, wasn't uh, uh, all about good relationship that uh, make me invite him, I think because uh, I've seen him see me working uh, as we we've been the same club and um, in different different uh, group age groups and all that I, I was with in the 19s and with the B team and he was uh, the first team but we were working for the same club and uh, yeah, he always been like uh, a fair manager in terms of uh, uh, when you have to to be uh, working hard or working, and when you have to be and keep the friendship. So this is something that we never had a problem, and uh, like we always we always been friendly, even that we talk different ways. Um, even when I start coaching uh, and all that, and. Uh, uh, we end up uh, going to the same club a few years later, mm. working for the same club a few years later. Then again, opposite way, you know. And uh, but uh, he had this his coaching team and all that. And uh, of course, you have to you have to respect decisions and all that. Mm. Then now um, he gave me a chance to be part of his coaching team. Then uh, yes, I'm really happy and pleased for that. I, I guess a manager as well, as you hinted there, wants a challenge. You want a, an assistant who's going to challenge him and 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 and, and offer up different things. I guess uh, it's like uh, it's not uh, uh, the thing to off, offer different things because when you become part of a coaching mm-hmm. team, then now uh, we all together. Of course, then uh, we have to challenge each other, as you said. And uh, uh, because the coaching team is me, then I have Hugo, Bruno, Gonzalo, Duncan, you know, so everyone to um, 
to give his opinion. And uh, but at the end of the day, the manager have the final word. So now we have to support. Uh, but of course, that is always willing to listen to us and uh, to see our opinion. And I, I suppose Everton fans will know you as a former Fulham player. West yeah. Ham, of course, won the league with Arsenal. Yeah. And um, you had some feisty uh, moments with Everton in the past, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, but this is part of football, you know, because when you, uh, at the time, I was working for Arsenal, then I was working for Southampton, then for Fulham, then for West Ham. So we just have, you just have to. To be professional, professional as you can, and uh, defend the colours you're working for. So that uh, was in the past. Then uh, was a was a player. Um, now uh, I'm a, I'm from the Everton family in the on the in the coaching staff. So I just have to to fight for Everton. Uh, I remember that uh, it's always a tough ground to come and play because mm-hmm. really passionate uh, supporters and all that. Uh, so now, uh, of course, I'm in, on this side. So now you have to make hard as possible for the other clubs. You use that for your benefit now. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. Uh, but this, this is football, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm very happy, very pleased to be here. Uh, so far, so good. It's been really good uh, from uh, all the staff. Uh, and then coaching staff as well, good welcome. That the people that I deal uh, daily basis, uh, but all the rest of the staff, uh, included you, yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> now all, all the no, the staff and uh, the players been working really hard. So uh, hopefully we have a good start to the season. Just finally, I must ask you. Um, I think it was Marco a defender. Uh, was he a yeah. right back? I think maybe a yeah, full back. Yes. Was he any good? Did you come up against him? Or did you yeah, did we, you get we, the better we, of him? We, we, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was better when we used to play the same team. Because <laughs> after then we when we move opposite ways, then we played against each other. You know, so um, the tough opponent was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really, he was tough uh, right back. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, as um, people as people know him from know me from uh, playing in England. So. Mm-hmm. When I was at the youth side, was I was the same, you know, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So um, always have uh, tough battles with the right backs, you know. But <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the way it goes, you know. Great stuff. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, Lewis Boamote, and uh, I'm sure you'll you'll agree, uh, a really nice guy and pleasant guy, and uh, let's wish him luck in his job. Uh, Helping Marco Silva to uh, to get victories for Everton. Now, as far as uh, Marcel Brands is concerned, of course, a really busy summer this summer, as all the transfer windows will be for him and have been for him. Uh, brought what seven players in in the summer. Um, he's been talking to me a little bit about uh, the new signings and how he brings players in, and in particular, Iwobi and Gomez. Was well, not an easy one, uh, also because uh, yeah, a young boy with. Uh that played already a lot of games in, in the Premier League and in, in Champions League and Europa League. Um, but in our eyes, um, yeah, a boy that can play in different positions, uh, play from the side, he can also play behind the striker. Um, in our team, we have not many competition with, with uh, much competition with, with uh, Gilfi. Um, so I think we have managed it now also with, uh, with, you, with Alex. But it is a boy, uh, 23 years old, Already quite experienced, um, and but the most important thing, he has um, um, goals and assists in his in his game, in the way he's playing, and I think that's also a thing that we were looking for. The biggest help in that was 
our friends. They they uh, they loved him from the first day, and that gives the Andre a, a great feeling here in this club, and that helps me a lot in uh, the negotiations that I had uh, with with Barcelona because there was some more interest from him uh, from other clubs in England also. And when Andre decided now I want to go to Everton, that helps me a lot in, in the negotiations with Barcelona, and. Um, so that was a great job for me that the fans did for me. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, there we are, the impressive Marcel Brands. And uh, I'm sure once January comes, he'll be busy. He may have a little holiday, I think, in the next week or so. But uh, he'll certainly be busy again when it comes to uh, the January window. And well, but a long way to go before that. And uh, going back even further now with... Uh, with the former winger Anders Limpar, he was a he was a great player, wasn't he? A really great talent uh, on the wing. Uh, came from Arsenal, of course, and um, certainly impressed there. Won trophies, and he did so at Everton as well. I've been talking to him uh, from his home in Sweden uh, about his time with the Blues. I chose Everton because I'm uh, I've been an Everton fan for since I was ten years old, and uh, wow. and obviously I chose Everton because of Mike Walker as well. Uh, I um, I thought at the time that he, his football was suiting me, uh, but uh, over the next six months after that, uh, uh, Mike wasn't wasn't the best manager for Everton at the time. So uh, we swapped to Joe Royal, and that uh, that was uh, hell and, and, and heaven, if you, if you can say. <laughs> but I really I really liked uh, Mike Walker at, at the beginning, uh, and then he uh, he fell out with the some of the players and uh, we, we weren't good at the time so uh, thank God for, for Joe Roll that, uh, that he stepped in Yeah, it's funny that you refer to heaven and hell because you had a stranger relationship with Joe I think, didn't you? It was, it was, it was uh, I don't know, love-hate is the right term but, but you certainly had your moments with him but also he had such admi- admiration for you Yeah, I mean uh, like all the players have with their managers so over a, a long period of time um, he was like a father to me. He, he really took care of me uh, in the beginning, and uh, you, you ca- I can't agree that we fell out mm. uh, on each other. Uh, that, that's a little bit harsh. Um, but um, we had uh, a few discussions. Uh, we weren't uh, agreed uh, on on uh, everything, mm. like players and managers are. And uh, I, I didn't play good in in. In spells of time, and he dropped me, and then uh, put me on the bench. And obviously, as a player, you uh, you want to play. You don't want to sit on the bench. So that was it. We we didn't have any disputes or uh, or anything like that. It, it was just a relationship, manager and player. And he had to play the best team. And some of the the, the games, uh, I I wasn't good enough to be in the in, in the starting lineup. To be fair. But but but, uh, but having said but, that, uh, I, I, what I was going to say was having mm. said that, the fans loved watching you, watching your style of football. You excited the fans, and I guess that must have been difficult for him to make that decision. Yeah, of course. Uh, we had uh, a couple of great uh, wingers at the time, and and uh, obviously as a manager, I thought we had sixteen really good players uh, who could play, and you you can only play with uh, ten players in a goal. Co- goalkeeper obviously and then you have to drop a few names and uh, put them on the bench and he had to drop me um, a couple of times uh, and put me on the bench uh, I mean I have no problems with that as long as uh, we were winning 
But at the time, you, you're really pissed off as a player because you want to play. Mm. Uh, but I, I, um, I probably rate you, Royal, as the best manager I ever had. Really? Because I, I played, yeah, I played my best football in my career, 95, 90, uh, around 94, mm. 95 there. Uh, much better than, than Arsenal, for, for example. Uh, so, uh, I, will, I mean... He, he he was really, really good for me, uh, Joe Royal. So uh, I can't agree that we had this dispute. Well, let me take you back a little bit before that and that famous game against Wimbledon, uh, yeah. <laughs> which you, yeah. were, you were very much involved in, weren't you? What was it like? Yeah. I mean, what was that day like for a player, uh, Anders? Uh, very frustrating. Uh, I mean, um, Everton been uh, up in, in, in the top flight for so, so many years and then suddenly... You have the knife uh, against your throat. Uh, to, you, you had to win the game to stay up. Uh, obviously, the, the the bad start we had with um, 1-0, 2-0 down. Uh, we showed some character, to be honest to you. We, we had some great characters uh, in, in the game, in the team at that time. Uh, Joe Parkinson, Barry Horn, John Ebrill, uh, Graham Stewart, Unsworth. Uh, we, we had such a great character. So... I'm just glad to 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 be part of that game actually because uh, it was a life changer for for Everton at the time. Mm. Uh, to go down, uh, it's it's bad for the economy, it's bad for everything, it's bad for the city and everything. So, so to win that game, uh, that's probably top three in my in my uh, in my book of uh, great wins. And 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 did you get the sense uh, if you needed it that how big a club Everton was with that occasion, if you like, you know, because yeah, you know, you, you know, it, it sort of came across to everybody how big a, de- a deal it would have been should we have gone, you know, relegated. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, Everton uh, is part of the history as as the top five best teams in England. I mean, when it comes to uh, great sides uh, back in the 70s, and we had a great side uh, in the middle of the 90s. Uh, so we have some history. I mean, to, to go down, it's, it's awful for, for the club. It's awful for the fans. It's really, really bad for, for the economy. Uh, so uh, I'm glad, actually, we stayed up. Um, so before we talk about the 1995 FA Cup triumph, which I want to talk to you about because you played such a mm. big part in that. Um, mm. uh, following that, obviously, as you say, Joe Royal came, you, you ended up out of the team. I remember uh, going away with uh, the reserve team with Jimmy Gabriel, I think it was at the time. And, mm. and uh, yeah. you know, there's people like Vinnie Samways on the bus as well. And it was a really, mm. how, how was that? How difficult was that for you having come from Arsenal, being the player that you were? How difficult was that to cope with? Yeah, I mean, it's always uh, hard for a player to, to actually to cope with it when, when you, you you want to play and then suddenly you're, you're not in the team uh, when, when it comes to lack of form or, or injury or whatever. And I thought Vinny Samways and I, me myself uh, was good enough to play in that side. But mm. you, you can't uh, argue with a manager because I've been a, a manager myself and you, you can only pick. 11 players for for uh, for that game and if if the team wins is is great but if you're on the bench uh, it's great great for the team but uh, i mean you you want to play uh, and then uh, it's not fun to be out outside uh, the team and when the team is success, successful 
So uh, um, when I look at it from, from uh, yeah, from now, it's just it's no problem because uh, you have to play with the best side, and and the manager always pick the best side. But let's have a look at that FA Cup final, of course. And mm. you you played such a, I mean, you were you were very much integral to the goal being scored uh, with your mm. run. I don't know how many yards it was, you know, but it was certainly yeah. some run. Um, what, what a character that team was. You talked about the character in the team who played mm. against Wimbledon, but the character in mm. that team uh, with those players, with Duncan Ferguson mm. coming in, I mean, what was the speciality about that team? What was its, what was its uh, you know, jewel in the crown, if you like? Yeah, I can, I, I can only compare to... The, the Arsenal side I, I played when we, we won everything. We won six trophies in four years and we for for England at the time. Uh, uh, great, great top players, you know. Yeah. And when it comes to, uh, to to have that unbelievable player uh, like Ian Wright, for example, we, we didn't have that. We had... Uh, 16 really really good football players i mean uh, no stars if you can if, if um so we i probably think that we have we had better uh, team spirit at everton uh, rather than arsenal back in the days um because we we, we liked each other we were running for each other we were running for the manager uh, we knew that we had to put in some hard work uh, to be successful, mm. and everybody did that. And then we 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 did have some flair um, uh, with the, some of the players, and and we had Duncan up front, Neville in the goal. Mm. Uh, I re I actually loved to play for Everton back back in the days. I really loved it because mm. I wasn't a hard working player. We had players who were working hard, providing the the balls to the wide players, and we. Did our stuff and and Duncan and Graham Stewart, Paul Ryder did their bit, mm. and the defending. I mean, we we had a, a perfect team. Mm. We we probably lacked of a one one big big start like yeah. Konchelskis for example. Mm. Um, mm. And if we would have uh, kept that team over to ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, is rather than selling all the players. We will definitely be up there and and competing for the for the big prize, you know, mm. to win the league. Yeah. And then suddenly Everton uh, start to sell players right and left, and and we we sold actually that great side, mm. and and that that's a heartbreak. Yeah, because I mean that that cup final, Everton were not supposed to win it, were they? You know, people thought first of all they wouldn't beat Tottenham in the in the in the semi final. Secondly, no. they wouldn't beat Manchester United in the final. Did you fear Manchester United in any way that day? Oh yeah, believe me, believe me. <laughs> uh, we were probably sixteen to eighteen players, uh, a couple of stars member. We 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 were a few back in the days, uh, mm. probably five. Let's say twenty twenty one people believe in a, in a victory that day mm. in the whole world yeah and that that shows some character that we we just said just go out and have a go mm. they will win anyway that's that's what we thought like and then we had a go and then we uh, we were hard to to play against because we were really hard working team with the flair uh, and a so, goalkeeper uh, like Neville Southall I guess is always a help you know, <laughs> yeah and if we would have played that game, 20 games, United would have won 19 probably. 
But uh, on that day, we, we were much better than United, and that 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 takes some beating actually to beat uh, United at that time. And you've talked about um, you know going on and becoming a coach, uh, and and was coaching something you really wanted to do? Because I know you did it a little bit, you know, at the end of your career. And is, is that something you still? Is football still in your blood? Uh, it is actually. I watch. Lo- I, I, I'm watching a lot of football, especially Premier League. Um, I've been a coach for 15 years, and everything I do, I've been taken from Willie Donaghy, hmm. uh, our our trainer, if you can if, if you yeah. can say. And obviously, the the way Joe Royal was leading all the the players uh, was great as well. That was so professional and. But when it comes to to me to to learn young players how to play football, it, it's the philosophy is from Willie Donaghy. Really? Uh, he was he was like a god to me. I really really liked his practices and, and the way how he built up the training sessions. You know, uh, I I was so good when I was thirty years old, uh, and I probably. Is is the best uh, time in my life, and when I was twenty nine to thirty years old, oh. I, I was I, I never better uh, before or after when I played with Willie Donaghy. And um, I speak quite often to a good friend of yours, Kevin Campbell, who has nothing but good words about you. He says mm. he's a fantastic mm. player, but a fantastic man. Of course, you you'll look back and, and remember your fantastic times at Arsenal as well, I guess. Mm. Mm. I mean that must be a special time for you as well. Yeah, of course. We we had an unbelievable team. We uh, we won everything, you know, and twice. Uh, everywhere you looked, you had a, a national playing for 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 England national side, uh, and we were really hard to beat. And we we had the the special ingredients in the team. We had a goal uh, a goal scorer like uh, Alan Smith and Kevin Campbell and Ian Wright. Yes. They were so trustable, yeah. and then obviously we had the back four with David Seaman. What, what, what more can you ask for? Uh, and then, and and then the rest with Paul Morrison and me, and and Paul Davis, Mickey Thomas. I mean, you hear that's an yeah. unbelievable side. Yeah, fantastic team. Yeah, yeah, it I, is. Uh, I mean, wow. Do you ever get back to see Everton? Have you been back to watch Everton at all? Oh yeah, a couple of times, and I'm coming back in December as well. I'm going to see the Derby, fourth of December. At Anfield, and then are staying for Saturday to when we are playing Chelsea at home on the seventh of December. Um, it might be the eighth, maybe, mm. if they they change the venue. Yeah. So uh, I'm definitely over in in uh, December from the third to the eighth of of December. And you, and you say Everton, you still think they can finish in that top six? What makes you think that? Because uh, we have uh, done some some great signings. Uh, the players are uh, one year older, and they know Marco Silva what he's trying to achieve. The only thing I'm concerned about, you know, you, it's very, very hard to to replace uh, Gaian. Mm. I that that's mm. a, that was a personal favorite from from for me. Uh, he was the the engine in our team. But let's say like uh, Snyderlin and and um, Gomez. And the new player dealt. Uh, yeah. If 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 they can do some great things in in midfield, we have the, certainly uh, the players who, who can be much winners. Like Richard Leeson, I like him. Bernard is is looking good. 
we um, I think we we have a great side. It's it's very very close to the side we had ninety five, mm. and it's all down to the players now to 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 put in some hard work, mm. and we very very look alike uh, the side when it compares to the mid mid. Uh, of 90s, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're very, very similar. Mm. And that's why I, I think we can uh, be top five if we put some hard work in. And, and as far as you started a little bit of a Swedish revolution at Everton, really, didn't you? Because after that, there was Nicholas Alexanderson, there was. Um, uh, oh, his name escapes me. Uh, who was a little midfielder played played in the World Cup? Tobias Linderoff. Tobias Linderoff, yeah. and it was the guy who came from Manchester United, whose name escapes me. I'm getting old now, so I can't remember yes, the name. Yes, That's the man you got it. Yeah. So it was a little bit yeah. of you started that. The trend. first one was Stefan Ren, though. Uh, of course, uh, it was. Yeah, I'll give you that. For me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, mm. but no, I mean, is is Everton a big thing in in Sweden? Is that you know, is there a lot? Do you spread the word? Oh, obviously, uh, not as big as uh, United, Liverpool, yeah. and, and and Arsenal, uh, yeah. because that was the the team all the Sweden looked at back then, back in the seventies. But yeah. we have a uh, a fan a fan club here in Sweden, the Toffees, uh, which is is a big fan club, like three four hundred members. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we are, we are a few <laughs> Toffees back in Sweden, and, and uh, we're battling on. I love it. Uh, just finally, mm-hmm. what we do, uh, Anders, I ask a few questions, you know, quick-fire questions, just one-word mm-hmm. answers or two-word answers, whatever. Um, I'll start with this one. Um, who is your favourite teammate at Everton? Uh, Graham Stewart. Uh, what about your biggest opponent, hardest opponent? Hardest opponent back in the days must have been um, Leeds. Leeds. And what about player up against? I guess it would be a full-back, would it? Uh, Tony Dorigo for sure. The best ground you ever went to? Um, obviously, if you if I can't choose uh, Goodison Park, which uh, when you're successful, you you can't beat the atmosphere. Uh, to play at Anfield, it's unbelievable. If you were blue, um, Ellen Road back in the days when Leeds were successful, oh. unbelievable crowd. So. I probably pick Anfield and and and, uh, and Ella Road uh, together. If you didn't play football, what other sport would you have excelled in? Ice hockey for sure. I played ice hockey when I up to thirteen years old, and I I chose football because uh, I uh, could rather run better than I was skating. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the biggest influence on your career? Ooh. Uh, Biggest influence uh, when it comes to manager or or Whoever. player or whole life. You know who 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 were your biggest influence? You know as far as you being a footballer. Oh, that's special. that's definitely my dad. Uh, he's been a footballer himself. He played for under twenty one for for Hungary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been my my motivator, my my um, trainer uh, my whole life. Uh, definitely my father. He he was so. So clever when it comes to to uh, practice skills, skills you know, one v one and one v two. So I definitely have to say everything I I taught for my father. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, and best manager you ever played for? Joe Royal for sure. What manager would you have played for if you could have? Uh, Guardiola. And just finally, uh, was there a club you could have signed for but didn't? I could have signed for Marseille, 
back in 1992. I was there in Marseille, uh, and it was a, a four years contract contract lying in front of me. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and I thought I, uh, I was so so close, but at the end, Arsenal didn't uh, let me go. And how your career and your life might have changed if you'd have done that? Eh? Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. Unbelievable. We, we wouldn't have known Anders Limpar as a great Everton player, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, and I've been a topper since I've been 10 years old. So What made you, a, what a, made you an Evertonian, uh, Anders? What, what, why did you become an Evertonian? Because my father always, always said when I was like uh, 10, 11, 12, around there, that uh, we had Imre Varadi, you know, he, he was yeah. from Hungary. Ah, and my, okay. I, my, my heritage is from, uh, from Hungary. And he said, watch that play with Bob Blackford up front, you know. And I started to, <laughs> to watch them around the 76, 77, 78, you know, around there. I was 11, 10, 12, 13 years old. And I, uh, I really loved the way uh, they were playing back in the days. And, and I really uh, like, I liked the, loved the ground and everything about uh, Everton. And I've been an Evertonian since uh, 76, actually. Wow, I mean, that, that, I, I tell you, if I could have been here all night trying to work out why you were an Evertonian, and I still wouldn't have worked that one no. out about Imre Verratti. That's only, only because of uh, Bob Latchford and Imre, Imre Verratti. Fantastic. I, yeah. uh, I just finally, I've just got a little bone to pick with you, actually. When we used to be on the coach and we were going to reserve games, you used to say to me, yeah. can I just borrow your club phone for a moment? And this one day I got called in by the secretary and he said to me, Alan, you're going to have to cut down using your phone, phoning Sweden. And I said, I haven't phoned Sweden. And you'd been phoning Sweden, so I've got. I, you still owe me a couple of pounds for that, if that's all right. <laughs> okay, I, I, I take you out for dinner for sure. So I, I use your phone to to, to uh, phone to Sweden. Yes, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. Oh, uh, you, will, you will you will get some interest on on that money as well. So uh, a few more extra pints will. Uh, and in, in, as you, in the right place. you've repaid me by coming on the podcast so I really appreciate it mate you were always good fun at Everton you were always a nice player you, yeah. and as I say I, I think the Everton fans really appreciated the talent you had oh, and, I, uh, like, I like to hear that Perfect. so you know so hopefully we'll see you when you come over for the derby yes definitely uh, I will definitely uh, be over in December the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo well, there we are, Anders Limpar, uh, promising to take me to lunch, and I'll definitely keep him up uh, up to that one um, when he gets over here for the derby. Uh, good to hear from him, and uh, we've got a couple more lined up in future weeks uh, of players from the 90s era. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy them. I hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, version of the Everton podcast, and uh, as always, up the toffees, and let's see if we can get a victory in our next game. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.